Now, Emily, a couple of weekends ago uh, inside the Sunday newspapers, you wrote a piece called The Secret Football Coach. And I, I was saying to you just before we started recording, I was quite emotional reading it as well. It struck a chord with me because football has just become a big part of our lives only in the last two years with my husband becoming a coach and my daughter a player. But before we get into that, how did you start doing it? Like you're an author, you've got several books under your belt, you're a journalist, but how did you start with the coaching side of things? Well, I mean, that is the million dollar question. How indeed? It's the question I ask myself quite often. How did I get here? And actually, I do know how I got here. It's like so many things. It's a lot of small steps that are really obvious at the time. And then they suddenly build something much bigger. My daughter, whose team I coach, is the youngest of my three children. And she is the only daughter. So I have two sons. And they, when they turned, you know, six or seven, began to play football. And they joined the local club and they joined an academy for us. And then they moved into teams. And I was really kind of like really, I was actually quite emotional about what an amazing thing it was in their lives. I don't come from that kind of a background at all. I write about this in the piece that I wrote for Life magazine, all about the fact that I grew up in a very, very different kind of way. So when my boys started playing, it was my first exposure to that kind of level of community sport and yeah. I couldn't believe how much it brought the whole family. I mean, we really were so bonded and invested in this, the training and the matches and the team and the coaches and just what it represented in our lives way beyond football. It was such a positive thing for them. So then when my daughter turned seven or whatever age she was, I realized that there wasn't quite at that stage. And luckily, it's now changing. But at that stage, there was no obvious route to soccer for her in the way there had been for them. Yeah. There wasn't a girls team for her to join. And so I ended up, and actually what I think is really funny about it is that although I have been coaching the team since they were under eight, I didn't set the team up. It was a man who set the team up. It was a male coach. It was the dad of one of the girls who still plays on the team. He's the one who went, there is no team for these girls. We need to set up a team. To which I went, I will definitely help you set up the team. I still wonder, would I ever have done it off my own bat? Maybe, maybe not. I know. So he started the ball rolling and then he left. He had many other commitments. Um, and I continued doing it. And it is something I give out about it at times because it takes up a huge amount of time. But really, when you weigh up what it brings and then what it takes, it is always coming out ahead. Street but ahead. Emily, you say that in the piece, you go, if I actually am honest about all the hours I put into it, I don't want to sit down and tally it up. And I can see it in my husband as well, because even post training, you know, it's, 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 it's about coming home and training who was writing down the admin side, who was actually at the training. And like, it's a lot of work for it to be a voluntary thing. But I mean, I, I see the improvement in our family life with this being part of their lives. It's more their lives than it is mine, but I am so happy that it's part, you know, the part of it, but you, you know, we talk about that tricky age of girls in sport and how we're going to keep them in it. And like, there's quite a startling statistic of that age of 13 to 15 year old, 38% dropout. You'd write about that in the piece as well, but you also talk about how maybe we can combat that. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, and of course I'd say like most of us, I am usually looking at the thing that's right in front of me. So my daughter and all of her teammates are now moving from under 13 to under 14. So they are transitioning most of them from junior school to senior school. And they are therefore right in that hot zone of girls who stop playing. And as you say, 38% giving up. 
by the time they reach 19, 50% of girls have stopped playing sports. That's awful. That's really awful. Yeah. Especially when you think about it's not just sport, running around, exercise. It's all the mental health benefits that it brings. Also the lifelong benefits that sport for girls brings in terms of the way they are in the world, in terms of their sense of agency, their ability to communicate. There are all sorts of studies that show that there are massive, massive benefits. And I hate the idea that our girls will stop playing. I can't stand it. So I've started looking into, you know, and this is an inexact science still. I think if we knew exactly why they stopped, it would be much easier to keep them playing. But there is definitely a body of knowledge emerging and one of the first things that I learned on you know because I'm in my spare time I now go to FAI run workshops about how to be a better football coach so one of these uh, it was all about keeping girls playing and they were really really adamant that girls play for social reasons primarily first and foremost they play in a team where they feel valued and respected where they feel that the coach communicates with them in a respectful kind of way that allows them to feed into the communication. It's not a one-way thing, it's a two-way thing. And that that is true of girls from community level right the way through up to elite level. And that it's very different profile to boys. Boys will apparently rock up and play with any team, you know, and even if they don't like the coach, they will quite probably continue playing. Girls aren't like that. One bad experience, one coach who is obnoxious or shouty or disrespectful is apparently enough to stop them playing. So I'm starting to kind of look into these things and take them on board and try to learn how to make sure that everything that I can do, I do it. Yeah. Everything that the coach can do, there are imponderables. There is stuff that we will never get our head around. There's stuff that we have no control over in terms of the lives of the girls. But anything that I can do, that I know I can do, to keep them playing through to the age of you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, my ambition for my team is not that they win the league. My ambition is that they are all still playing at the age of 18 when they do their leaving search. For me, that would be a massive win. It would just be wonderful. But Emily, so much of it too is about visibility. And throughout the years, we have not had those people to look up to for our daughters to go, I could be like them. Like they can, they can admire Messi and Ronaldo and Mbappe, anybody, but they, they don't look or appear to be like them largely for girls. Um, not true for all girls, but for most girls. So for them now, we were watching the match. Um, literally two nights ago, France and Ireland. And my daughter's like, where's Katie McCabe? Like, so she's looking out for her or where's Denise? Like, so she's looking. So these are people (laughs) that visibly look more, represent more what she identifies as. So like they need that representation to want to have that goal to continue and go, well, maybe when I'm 25, I could be like that person. Definitely. I mean, I think there is, I just think that we are at this amazing sea change moment in terms of, sport and women and girls and football it is apparently the fastest growing sport in the country it is girls football and it, that's part incredible. Of that, isn't it amazing and like a big part of that is definitely the team as you say exactly being able to look at them and go that is what an elite level soccer player looks like I could be that yeah you know I mean, obviously there's a world of difference and you know it's very difficult to be an elite anything So maybe they can't actually be it, but they can aspire to be it because they can see it. And they can also see for the first time, I think, 
how excited the rest of the country is about it. I mean, you know, people are attending women's football matches live in a way that they never have before. I would expect, so up until now, they've been playing football in much smaller stadiums. Like yep. it was a stadium for the France match and the Zambia match. I think that they will, will be playing in the Aviva and there will be enough people who want to pay to go and see them. That, that will happen quite soon. It's amazing. It's wonderful. The respect they get, the excitement that we all feel. And I think for every single girl with a football in the country and even without, to be able to look at that and go, I want to be part of that. Yeah. There's a thing to be a part of. And that thing has so many benefits. And it's just wonderful to kind of, you know, be in a position of kind of, you know, I mean, at our age level, so the under 14, as we will be next season, we have only one team, which is consistent with the age levels above us. But if I look at the age levels below, so in our club, we have three teams at the age group below us. We have four teams at the age below Wow. Them. I mean, there is really, there it's is growing. Massive, yeah, there's this massive, is growing. massive explosion yeah. in and the I sport. Think- and that is brilliant. I think as well, Emily, just like even, you know, reading the headline, I think it was on Thursday as well, that it's like, you know, the opening match of the World Cup, Ireland v Australia is full, like it's been sold out. So like knowing that that is a possibility and it's all levels, like it's about media covering it. it you know, it's about Absolutely. it being the top line in the story on a sports bulletin. It's about visibility, it's about all that stuff. Finally, though, before I let you go, I loved when you wrote in the piece, actually, and I, this really struck a chord as well. And again, not true for all girls, but for a lot of girls as well, is that it's a way for you to connect on the pitch much more so than you would over the table at homework time or whatever like you are going to get more of a connection there largely for a lot of girls and that's that's the social side of it again but the mental health side of it again as well yeah I think it's really important I mean as our kids get older obviously the pull of the outside world becomes much stronger and you know they are you know they are moving into an external world that we're not part of and a lot of that is stuff that we can't be part of. You know, you can't be quizzing your teenager too closely on exactly where they go, what they do, who they see, what they talk about. It's not right. They need distance. It is right. I mean, there's a reason why they move away from us. It's very sad, but it has to happen and they need to be allowed to do that. You can't be like tagging after them and going, tell me what you did at the disco. It's just, you know, (laughs) too much. And so then where do you connect? Obviously, you know, there is the home life and then there is a school life, but I have never found that, you know, kind of quizzing my kids about homework has been particularly fruitful for any of us. It does not lead to the world's greatest conversations. I find football in the life of me and my daughter and in our relationship, football is a great talking about the match, talking about, you know, how the opposition were, what happened, how our team responded, who played particularly well. You know, all of that stuff. These are conversations that both of us are really invested in we're doing this together yeah and I just think that's amazing and I have a funny feeling that you know in the years to come as she turns you know kind of 14 as she will later this year and then 15 and 16 I really like to think that that is something that we will always have together even when she's there going I do not want to tell you one single thing about the disco and stop asking me because it's embarrassing that we might still be able to, you know, find the point of connection that you have to keep hold of in that. And that, you know, that just keeps, keeps the, keeps everything open, keeps conversations going, you know, keeps being a place that we have these positive interactions. So, I mean, I, like I, you know, I may be putting a lot of emphasis on what football is going to bring to our lives, 
But up until now, it has brought so many good things. Yeah. That as I say, I taught up the hours I spend doing it and I taught up what I feel to be the rewards. And it is definitely coming out on top. It's a winner. It is a winner. It really is. And I can feel it in our household as well. And as we've just said a good few times during this chat, it's just going to explode more and more and more and like roll on to September and every single little girl in this country, we hope will want to be playing some sport, maybe not football, but some sport. Exactly. Emily, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so so much. much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Emily, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.